Oh, and hello. This is Your Takes Excrement, uh, brought to you by by May. What? Nick's fears Who? on. Yeah. Me? Yeah. Oh my god. And and me, I'm Neo or at Angstrom on Twitter. Sometimes they bring me out of the chamber and they just sort of throw me into the podcast room and I just start speaking and <laughs> I don't know where I'm at and they're just like, here you go. And so, you know, genuinely sometimes I've forgotten, but yeah, that's right. We are on your take as excrement. I, I do know that. I recognize this room. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is, we're on episode 30, the end of season three. Holy shit. Is it really? Yes. My God. 30 episodes of this? Yes. I remember 30 when... movies, 30 episodes. Oh, my God. I remember when, like, when we were in the first couple of episodes, you and I had a lot of private conversations where you were like, huh, this is hard. I don't know. And I was like, yeah, but you got to get over the hump of like the first like four or five. And then you, you'll be like, whoa. And then now we're on 30 episodes. Yeah. Like, look at you and your longevity, your yeah. commitment to, to taking care of business. 30 over episodes. There. Over 2,000 subscribers on YouTube and climbing. Wow. Two disappointed parents. Um, he, are you talking about mine or yours? I was talking about mine, but if you want to throw oh, yours in four there. Disappointed four disappointed parents. parents. Double the amount of disappointed parents that a research team provided. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about those. Uh, I, Not to stereotype, but I imagine there's... Between everyone who listens to this podcast, there's a great deal of disappointed parents. Oh, more than likely. I would hope so. If I if there weren't a, a plenty of disappointed parents, I would be very... Uh, I would be a disappointed parent, right? <laughs> uh, I feel like John Waters would, would be upset, right? Um, if we hadn't made this podcast absolutely unhinged and unruly uh, and feral. I Listen, unhinged has become my new... My new word of feral of, is of mine the, of the year. Yeah, feral. I'm this feeling all feral This hinge will lately. not be be done. <laughs> I refuse to be hinged. So, what did we watch for we, the season finale, May? We watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which I was like, I think Neo is going to connect with this deeply, given that, um, you know. We too have participated in psychedelics to the point that our minds have been rotted. <laughs> I don't think I've gone. I've. I don't think I personally have gone quite that far. Okay. But, well, that makes one of us. Um, unlike I don't know. Uh, I have not just eaten like <laughs> a, a sheet of acid. Unlike That's true. Unlike uh um Hunter Hunter S. Thompson. It's I don't Hunter know. S. Thompson likes acid and is good at it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's also very bad at it. It's weird. I don't know. It's it's Hunter S. Thompson at, being who he is is weird for me because every other human being I've known whose name is Hunter has just has like worn camo and like cargo shorts. My name's shorts. Hunter. My name's Hunter. What He's about the only those Hunter Democrats? That we can huh? Fuck with, huh? Well, okay, perhaps we'll see. We'll talk about that. <laughs> His politics are kind of all over the place. Also, just, that I don't know, generally, like, Hunter S. Thompson as an iconoclastic figure is so fascinating, it would take ages to even get through what the fuck his, like... Because, like, I would consider him to be one of my most, in like, the most influential people on me and my uh-huh. my mentality on everything. You like but that, at the you same like that time, gonzo journalism? I do, but at the same time, like, I objectively know that he's frequently racist and has, like 
awful takes and yeah. does like really piss poor shit to women. Anyway, it's just like, but he also carries with him this uh, kind of like iconic self-awareness where he's like constantly talking about the shit that he does to women and how he's racist and how he does fucked up he's, shit. So you're kind of just like, huh, he's he's doing it, which sucks, but he's also openly talking about his doing it and how like simple and weirdly manufactured that shit even is. Right. So it's like he can deconstruct the very shitty behaviors that he exhibits. Well, is that lifestyle not required to be a great American author? I mean... Or a great American novelist or whatever? I, I suppose. Great American journalist, I would say. But at the same time, like, it's hard. It's so weird to call him a journalist because it's not journalism about anything. It, like, it's just like, what can I get away with in Las Vegas today? Well, I... I like, I, the movie. I do think his actual... I don't... I haven't read the book, and I feel like if I had read the book, I would have a more more educated takes on it but i feel like it is like you know it, it, i feel like it is journalism it's just you know his own brand which you know i guess is just what gonzo journalism is right but it's definitely because because he's definitely trying to investigate something like he like he has a question and he's and he's looking for the answer and he's writing about the search in the answer or he not i mean in the movie he's he's finding or the movie's about his search for the answer and the answer and the question asked in, in the fear or fear and loathing in Las Vegas is like, where's the American dream or like what or where or how or like what the fuck is up with the American dream? Well, it, I think the, the big question that I was asking myself in, in the movie was does Hunter S. Thompson know that he's going to have a bad trip in Vegas or does he think it's going to be a great trip in Vegas? I think What he, does he think is going to happen in Vegas versus what does happen in Vegas? I think he thinks it's going to be unhinged. And it is, which is I guess what he hopes for, but I mean unhinged shit just kind of follows him around. But before we continue, we probably need to shout out our sponsors, right? Yes. Did we just kind of run right over that? Yeah. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Machine Age Productions and their RPG hashtag iHunt and Ambient Dream Studios. Thanks for supporting the show. More on both of those halfway through during our, our actual ad break instead of our shout out. Yeah, so I wanted to give a shout out to my friend Moss, who's uh, at CryptidPaw on Twitter. Uh, just like those commissions, they do really neat, like furry art but it's also like very uh, like like lisa frank very um <laughs> you did you just fucking don't even what you you looked at me like you knew i was gonna say Anne frank instead of lisa frank i i don't know anything i was distracted I, by watching the car drive in no bullshit you co you you caught me and i immediately felt naked and terrible <laughs> well this, finish finish the call anyway uh yeah, check out their stuff, uh, and also commission them. Yes, thank you. They're they're going to probably do some album art for me. So this is okay. sort of one of those exchange uh -huh. things. They're going to do that for me. I'm going to do this for them. You know, okay. see. Anyway, go check them out. Go follow them. Anyway, moving on. Farts and and uh, lasagna in Los Logos. What? Farts and lasagna in Los Logos. Is, is that the sequel? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Didn't he actually write a sequel book to, to the first no. one? No. Well, I mean, he wrote Fear and Loathing in America, but uh, 
I mean, you have to understand that these aren't books. <laughs> okay. These are these are pieces of journalism that were then later comprised into books uh-huh. and then sold as like here is his writing. But he was like an iconoclastic figure that was kind of just writing shit uh-huh. places and was published all over the place and like he just kind of gained this prolific weird vibe where he was just always writing and his writing vibe and style was like so unhinged um that when it came to like him uh writing about politics you know it was like you know imagine that and and that's the weird fucked up thing is like you know, there's a lot of film adaptations about Hunter S. Thompson at this point, but there are none about his work with, like, fucking following around Nixon, which uh-huh. is the wildest thing. It's so wild. I want a movie about, about Hunter S. Thompson and Nixon. <laughs> oh, God. It would be so wild. Like, seriously, that shit is great. Um, so I've read a lot of Hunter S. Thompson, which is to say that, like, I have partaken in many of his wares... <laughs> Uh, and know his, like, great things and also his faults. So Mm -hmm. when I was showing this to you, I was kind of, like, going into it with this awareness that I'd be handing you something complicated to do with drugs instead of something positive to do with drugs. Yeah. Right, because, like, we could do, like, something like Requiem for a Dream, right, where we're talking about how drugs ruin people's lives, and that's, like, terrible, and everybody everybody cry. Uh But, um... We could do this where it's like, you know, more realistically, drugs can enhance a lot of the things that are already kind of happening inside you and also your opinions on the world. And so it's kind of like a weird Ouroboros. You do the drugs in this way because you can't handle society, but because you can't handle society and you're on drugs, it further makes you feel like you need to use drugs to escape from society, which in turn just makes you trip worse. It just like continues like this. Right. Well, so, okay. So the, to summarize the movie, Hunter S Thompson and his lawyer, uh, or Hunter Thompson, who's played by, um, Johnny Depp and his lawyer, who's played by Benicio del Toro, uh, go on a drug fueled, bender in las vegas and they're supposed to be actually like doing like journalistic yeah they're work. supposed to be like covering a race well it's like a race and then it's like a da like or it's like public prosecutor or district attorney whatever convention and they keep on like just like showing up just absolutely fucked out of their minds not doing any of the work they're supposed to be doing instead just like fuck it let's go back to the casino and like fuck shit up well and they have this like they have this like weird inability in the story to be honest about what they're doing um yeah which is great for me because that means that i get to be honest about what they're doing right um so you know the reality of it is they got a probably a minor gig covering a race in the middle of the desert so they were just sort of like well and it was probably just hunter was like damn that sounds like some bullshit. I don't know if I really want to do that. I should just blow that off. But they offered me a hotel room. Uh-huh. Ooh-woo. In Las Vegas. Maybe, yeah, in Las Vegas in 1971 at the downfall of, like, the hippie movement and, like, Vietnam kind of crashing, drugs kind of being increasingly sectioned and difficult. And 
so Hunter S. Thompson had money and access. So he was just kind of like, what if I try to push things as far as they can go to see if you got the American dream, right? If you got it, what would it look like? Right. Genuinely, what would it look like? Yeah. Is it having all the money and all the drugs and, you know, like being able to mistreat women all you want and get away with it completely scot-free. Uh-huh. Like, what is it? A, right. You know, adrenochrome at a point. There's so many variables there where it's just like living the American dream is actually a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like, doing the Vegas thing, right? right. And, and everybody always talks about how it's like, well, like the hangover, right? I was thinking about that, where it's so playfully like, oh, gosh, crazy things happen in Vegas. Right. But the reality is, is like, people go to Vegas to, like, fuck their life up forever. Yeah. Like, that is where people go to do that. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I think, everything positive. I, and I've never been to Vegas, but I, I do believe what I'm saying is that I think that everything positive about Vegas is something pushed by, like, media and culture. And I think that, like... They just conveniently leave out the the like old people who sit in like slot machines till they piss themselves right. and burn every last dime they had, you know. And it's like, I don't know. And and that's like, that I don't know. That's that's what Vegas is to me. Like like that's whenever I think of Vegas, that's just like what comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's like one cracked article about a guy who like worked worked at a casino and he like really eloquently like explained why casinos are like the worst places on earth yeah and that article has like just like sunken into my core and so it's like you know it's just someone who's like you know worked there just de like detailing every single scummy thing they do to like try to like squeeze every last penny out of people who probably can't afford to be gambling anyway yeah, I don't know. It's just like made me bitter against the, against just the general concept of casinos. Well, I mean, the general concept is okay. Here, here's the thing: only a fool believes in chance, right? Um, luck isn't really. I mean, cause and effect. Even in the most microcosm, there is always cause and effect, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if if you want to make money. <laughs> Might I, and you want to spend a little bit of money to make money, might I recommend doing something else? Right. Because the cause and effect of it is you're going to continue to put money into the machine that is rigged to, like, to take it from you. And you could occasionally win something big, but eventually, in the long run, is going to end up back at the casino anyway. Right. (laughs) You know, or you could probably do something more productive with that money so the thing is going to gamble for gambling's sake is kind of dumbass. uh it's a lot better in my opinion to go gambling uh because you think lights are pretty and you have 20 dollars in your wallet and you really want to lose it well yeah but I mean- that never really happens for me like there really aren't casinos in our area but like that is the only situation in which gambling is okay with me. If it's an adult's arcade for you, that's right. cool. But, like, the the general vibe is, what if I ruin my life on the concept of luck, which is not even a fucking well, variable? And, and, and it's not, like, 
you know, and I don't know, I wouldn't be so frustrated if the marketing was honest or if the like if if the narrative was more like honest, but it seems like it's like, you know, you know, the people who are going aren't people who are thinking about about the like the these like long the long term ramifications of gambling. They're thinking about the one time their buddy said he won a thousand dollars at the poker table or whatever, you know? And so yeah. it's like and then and then they go and then they the, the 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 reptile hind brain gets activated by flashing lights and cool sounds and then they're broke, you know. Right, exactly. On and so and, and I don't know, and so it's like, you know, you know, I think there's 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 two ways like Vegas is is portrayed. There's the glamorized like Ocean's 11 version of Vegas. Right. And then there's 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 the version of Vegas I I I have in my mind where it's like, you know, it is it is a it is a trap for the the destitute. Right. And the truth is it's somewhere in the middle, right? Well, the the truth is that it is it is capitalism at its most honest. Yeah. It is a place you go to see businesses literally try to trick you out of money to get nothing and then they they glamorize that with like um like a lot of really fucked up like backdoor behavior ability things right. and so there's like this enhancement thing but only if you're wealthy but also like if you're wealthy, you get everything for fucking free anyway. Yeah. And so it's like, it is literally capitalism in a microcosm. Right. And so what, what, what I think actually fear and loathing in Las Vegas is directly about is like, <clears throat> I'm going to take every drug, not one drug. I'm going to take every drug and I'm going to go to Las Vegas and I'm going to do... <laughs> every single drug in Las Vegas and I'm going to really, really think about capitalism. Right. And I'm going to really think about politics. I'm going to really think about the future. And upon even introducing the idea, because there's so much direct trauma inside every person in that era, Mm -hmm. immediately everything goes to shit. And just like everything gets as bad as possible because it's so impossible to even handle how fucked up it is. Right. And so like his response in his insanity is like to embrace it and then push it to its limits. Uh Uh-huh. And like in doing so has this weird ability to evade responsibility. Right. Because he pushes things so far. Well, it's like one time when I was a kid, I did something dumb and minor. I got grounded for a week and I like decided that that wasn't going to fly. So I, I blew my fucking lid and I was like, no, I it's like, this is the hill I will die on. Um, and as, as making a test, when I choose a hill to die on, I, <laughs> You I, die on that hill. I die on that fucking hill. So I was like, no, this is my hill. This is where I will die. And I I just lost my fucking shit. And I just started screaming at my dad. And my dad started getting aggravated at me because I'm like, he's like, he's like, you did something dumb. There's, here's a minor consequence. Like, why are you flipping the fuck out? And right. he didn't say that because my dad like like doesn't right, of course. generally like curse at kids. My dad loves Wait. me. So uh anyway, so then we we get in this like fight 
and then I ended up not getting grounded because I pushed the envelope so far that like, you know, the the original issue was forgotten, and then the 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 fight was resolved, and I got away without being grounded. Um, so like it's it's the the entire movie is that, but on like, with the the the, but taken to the nth degree, and 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 add like you add like cocaine, mescaline, acid, and uh, and and uh, ether, and then like yeah. apply that general concept, and that's that's just the movie. Well, it's a variety of different kinds of drugs that do different things. So, like, primarily they're like, okay, cocaine. Well, <clears throat> cocaine is like a is like a glamorize your existence and go do shit drug. Yeah, it's the fuel. So, yeah, it's the fuel, right? So, like, it is the fuel of that city, yeah. right? It is how things kind of operate in that city. That's mm-hmm. why things constantly are moving. Like... It's the it is the lubricant that makes things go, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and I know this because I've known a lot of people who have worked in Vegas, and they have told me billions of times that it's like, oh yeah, cocaine is kind of like weed. Right. <laughs> it's sort of just fucking everywhere, uh, and anyone can get it, and it's anyone has it, everyone has it, um, and everyone needs it, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's just kind of kind of like pretty staple to keep things moving right so hunter s thompson's like okay i want to keep get with the groove of las vegas which is to never stop moving never sleep never do anything that isn't doing drugs or causing problems right so it's just like let's do drugs and go to different casinos and five out and like every time they went to a different place it was such a different version of the same nightmare Right. And like there were several moments where like Hunter S. Thompson says things that are really super profound, like, you know, that this is basically where the hippie movement comes to die. Right. It's like right here. Or the you know, the whole like ah too weird to live, too rare to die. Yeah, you know, there's there's like weird profundities just like d- throughout it and and it's mostly in its contextual awareness, but also we've talked about this a lot, but there's this bit where it's like 1970 there was the the big concert at uh altamont stadium where uh someone was killed a black man was killed uh you know what i'm talking about yeah by the hell's angels yeah at the rolling stones shows yeah and this was seen as as pretty much the end of the the facade of the hippie movement right Uh so like a lot of people saw the hippie movement as like an approach to anarcho-communists ideas um like you know uh ideas about like getting rid of a lot of repression you know a lot of people call it more free love but i would say it's more just like getting rid of sexual oppression right not not getting so fussed about the concept um and like it was more of just like a and then of course the idea that that drugs can attach with it like different spiritual awakenings and these are generally good uh, and there was, like, a whole bunch of shit with that. And that's sort of the facade, right? The guilt. Mm-hmm. But what was actually more or less going on was, like, it was more or less co-opted by a bunch of people who wanted to do drugs, wanted to cause problems. And there was a capitalism to 
the drug market. There was a capitalism to the way that like concerts were handled right. in a secret way that looked like anarcho-communism. And then the bands and the, the like thought leaders were all endorsing this like kind of weird secret capitalism. And then in 1970, the Hells Angels, like ha- literally somebody killed somebody. And it's like, why is there a Nazi and a black man at the same concert? Right. And also, why is the facade that this is peace and love? And it's the circle of tolerance, right? They tolerated everybody, and then they got a lot of people that they were undesirable, and those people, like, took over and created, like, an inner working capitalism in the thing and undid the whole movement. Mm-hmm. So, like, <clears throat> 1971, Hunter S. Thompson goes to Las Vegas... <laughs> Knowing that the 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 like concept of drugs as a mind expanding, you know, um, thing to help people mm-hmm. <laughs> is over. Right. It's it's all about like using drugs to destruct or using drugs to like manipulate your surroundings or gain things. And when approached with that, like genuinely on its face like hits on its face it's horrifying right and so for days it's just horrifying Mm -hmm. and he can't get out of it yeah pretty much um it it sure looks like a party from the outside right but then he like gets in it and it is in fact not a party it is a fucking nightmare yeah so (laughs) and on, on that note we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hop hop hippity hop over to an ad break. Uh Hey man, you wanna buy some drugs? I got some that'll turn you into like a roller coaster. Yes, I would uh, I would I would You would love to do oh love, love to buy some drugs. Oh my god, okay. Loves drugs. Alright, great. Um let's see. I got this secret shit. It's shit that you can't get on the market. They make it out of goddamn baby brains. They make a baby brains. It's made out of baby brains, dude. It's, it's uh it's called hashtag iHunt. Uh you play it with your friends and basically you fight monsters in the gig economy? What's wrong? Why are you looking down and, and put your head in your hand? Anyway, I, uh, I mean, I uh, mean <laughs> we have to hit rock bottom with these ad breaks eventually. No. Like, like we have to say, we, we have to make the worst brand association possible. At some point, and I, I, I fear that we have not hit it. So you take the app and then you start killing monsters uncontrollably. It's very you 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 see visions where you're killing monsters and it's like a really cool trip, dude. Like and you feel so powerful at the end. Like it cured my friend's PTSD. Like they did it and then they were like, "Whoa, I can kill monsters. I guess I shouldn't be so afraid anymore, man." All right, what's our what's the uh the other horrible brand association? Oh, this this shit, this shit right. Oh, you don't need this shit. Well, all right. Because you're my friend, because we're close, you know, because we got a relationship, because we go back a while. I'll tell you. This is this is this is some ambient dream studio, okay? This is this uh. is not on the street yet. This is like some some low-key really tough cool shit, okay? Uh you do a little bit of this and then you're going to be seeing fucking islands and clouds and shit. You're going to be fucking seeing boats. 
and all kinds of like boats. Yeah, all kinds of weird boats. shit. Yeah, yeah, boats. No, it's real cool. It's a vibe drug. It chills you right the fuck out. And uh, links to links to both are in the description of the video. <laughs> Thus concludes my Hunter S. Thompson impression. Yeah, um, and if you'd like to help us buy drugs, please go over to patreon.com slash excrement uh, and throw a dollar at us uh, like uh, as if it were some kind of arrow and it were hitting us and then we died. Huh. I know. Uh, I really thought that went through, you know? Yes. All right. We so, think everything through very, very well. We do. Um, I'm really ready, I think, to hear your secret, low-key, deep-down takes over there. Because you said that you'd been holding on to a couple. I yeah. want to hear them. So yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's get was, to it. Yes. Okay. So first off, I think that this movie, and I guess probably Hunter S. Thompson's like, general writing explores an issue in journalism where yeah. it's like, if you are, if 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 you are, like, like questions about journalistic journalistic integrity. So if you're like watching someone do something and it's really fucked up, should you should you be a journalist and like record it, or should you intervene, intervene and stop it and stop it? And I think I think that is that's like a very fair ethical question. But it gets really fucky wucky when you gets really fucky cross that up with Gonzo journalism when you roll your sleeves up and get get right in there. Yeah, and you start doing it, and so in 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 so the whole movie, Hunter S. Thompson is he is searching for answers, like he is looking for right. the answers, and then Benicio del Toro keeps on doing the most fucked up shit ever, and Hunter S. Thompson has to help him out with it. Yeah, so, it's sort of just like watching first more than anything, Benicio, reporting on it. Well, but but he's also helping him. Like Benicio del yeah. Toro is like, I need you, I need you to help me kill myself. And Hunter S. Thompson's like, ah. I'll help a little bit, but I got other things to do. But I, 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 I gotta go. I gotta go do, do journalism. And so he like, he like fakes out because because Benicio del Toro is like throw this throw the like record player in the bathtub when White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplanes like crescendos because I want to die to that like chord or whatever. Right. Um. A fair thing to want. Yeah. Well, but then when he doesn't, like Benicio del Toro is like is like getting you know swinging a knife around and like fucking you know you didn't you didn't do it you asshole. Yeah. And 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 Hunter Thompson has to lock him in the bathroom. Like he he like he he like convinces him to get back in the bath and then he barricades him into the bathroom. So sometimes you can turn your back on a man, but you can never turn him back on a drug. Yeah. Uh, or or like you know there's the there's the bit where Benicio del Toro found a young girl who had no worldly experience gave her a shitload of psychedelics and totally raped her um yeah and hunter s thompson's immediate solution was oh we got to pimp her out to the da's <laughs> and then Benicio del Toro's like we can't do that man and he's like oh well then i guess we got to make this disappear so hunter s thompson helps Benicio del toro make her disappear yeah like cover up the, the, the yeah and he's literally he's like he's like he's like if we're lucky she won't remember anything like if we're lucky, you date raped her good enough that 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 she won't won't remember the rape. And, and then it's like, great, then that's horrible. She like calls them and they're like, "Fuck, she did, she remembered the rape. How do we how do we get around? What this? do we do? What do we do?" <laughs> so you know, it's like I think in, in in I'm not like there's elements of the story that are clearly fictitious, like the androchrome isn't a real drug, right? Um. It's only real if you believe in QAnon, and if you believe in QAnon and listen to this podcast, I don't know what to tell you, fam. 
Um, yeah, I think you might need to grab a new hobby. Yeah, I think you need <laughs> go go listen to Joe Rogan or whatever. Um, Who? Joe Rogan. He has a squishy little head. Joe Garfield. Joe Garfield. <laughs> Joe. He Joe hates Mondays. He hates. <laughs> he refuses to work on Mondays because he hates Mondays. I want a comic strip where Garfield's trying to convince John to uh, to do some. Uh, to do some ayahuasca with him. To do some ayahuasca. Yo, do you like DMT, my man? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Garfield's hey, have you like ever done DMT? Garfield's just smoking a DMT out of like a broken glass. No. Hey, but, Bob Lazar, have you ever done DMT? <laughs> anyway, but, continue. But so, like, I don't know. I, I feel like this, and this ties into like my takes on this movie's opinion on drugs, where, so, so let's, let's just put that, let's like pin that, and I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to circle back around. Okay. Um, The, so... The first time I did psychedelics, I was like, "Holy shit!" Um, I it's like I am, I am, I am filled with an uncontrollable amount of empathy and like love and need to be around my fe- my like my fellow humans. Like, if if only everybody else felt this way, like everything would be great. Right. Like it is. And, and, you and, found the answers. I found. I found. Maybe not the answers, but I, I I definitely found. But the big answer is just if everybody was loving to each other, then literally everything would be fine, and no one would ever suffer right. for any needless reason. And so, and I think, and I, and I, I think that feeling is is is, and and and, and, I, and so I wanted to give like I was like we need to get we need to like fucking like acid blast everybody, right? Um, and I think that 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 general feeling was like pretty prevalent in the hippie movement. It was. But I think this movie is 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 just a direct counter to that. And I haven't seen Requiem for a Dream, but I would arg- I would I would say this movie is like the best constructed argument against that opinion that I could possibly like conceive. And that's and and, and so this movie it, like at least from from what I gleamed from my first time watching it is about what happens when you give like when you give people who who's interest isn't the good of others psychedelics and and it's it's something that i realized where it's like oh no it just like amplifies what's like cruising under the surface of your consciousness right right so like you know ultimately it's a movie about how how doing psychedelics enabled hunter s thompson to be like the shittiest white dude on the planet Pretty much, yeah. And, and how it enabled Benicio del Toro to be just the shittiest dude on the planet. Yeah. And 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 they were able to internalize and like internally ju- justify their actions by because they were on drugs and with the drugs, and um yeah and so and, and then going back to to my point on like journalistic integrity, um you know it's like you know it's a movie about how how like when you take a shitload, like if you're an asshole and you take an incredible amount of acid, you're going to be an incredible asshole. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and it's like, you know, it's just, it's there. Well, the thing is when you do acid for the first time, it's very eye opening, very different, very, Oh, but then like the more you do it, it's kind of like anything else. It's like, you do anything for enough, you know, a long enough period of time and it starts to kind of cook this vibe that's like man things are the same as they always are. Uh-huh. And so I guess 
the epiphanies kind of start to wear off a little bit, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. So, like, people like Joe Rogan, right? He's done a million drugs. A million. Mm-hmm. First couple times he did drugs, I bet they genuinely helped him, and I bet they led to him being a helpful and kinder person to the people around him. I bet mm-hmm. it made him more creative and successful and whatever. And then he did it a shitload more times, and then he learned that he could be an evil genius, and then he became an evil genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is... This is something that fucking happens. Right. It, it, the possibility to learn some knowledge and then become an evil genius is not that far away from the possibilities. So I guess what I'm saying is like Benicio Del Toro's character, unhinged and and feral as he is, is like kind of an, a kind of a a human depiction of where America was at that time, right? Right. Which is just like high out of its mind, abusing women mm-hmm. and like getting away completely scot-free <clears throat> doing whatever they want. Right. And like at the same time there there's like a part where Benicio del Toro's like vomiting outside a car and looking at this like family in the car next to him, and he's like, I'm a veteran. I just came back from Vietnam and all my friends died. And he's just like puking all over the car. Right. And he's like, Oh my God, I can still see their dead bodies. And like, it's horrible, but mm-hmm. also, you know, obviously hilarious. But um like this this is like a depiction of of the of the like weird fucked up privilege that was going on in the country at the time right, right. where a lot of young poor people did in fact go and die and get fucked up in Vietnam right like that was a reality but it wasn't a reality for everybody and also for the people that it was a reality for, I you know I actually don't know. I can't think offhand whether or not Hunteros Thompson went to war. Let me let me. Check. You should look that up. But, but while I'm looking it up, I I'm sorry. Finish your point. No, I get I get this perspective that it's kind of like weirdly a depiction of the privilege of of the thing where it's like you're over here doing all the drugs, having all the parties, and getting away scot free from all the things. Um while being in like this like wealthy hellhole full of wealthy assholes uh who also get away with things like without responsibility and then eventually i don't know it's just like it's like a depiction of that dichotomy between those who had to go to war and deal with shit and those who stayed home and did a bunch of drugs uh because they had a bunch of money and uh, he he was in the air force, but he I don't think he did. He was in combat. He was in the air force in between fifty five and fifty eight. Yeah, I mean that that sounds about right. But also, like he he uh, he loved guns, Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> yeah, uh, and understandably so because he felt like everyone was trying to kill him all the time, and maybe they were. Maybe people were genuinely trying to kill him. All the time. I also love interviews with Hunter S. Thompson where he's genuinely crazier than the interviewer. Yeah. So the interviewer is like, "Oh Jesus Christ! I didn't expect that it was gonna go this I way." Did, I didn't expect to get into a gunfight between Hunter S. Thompson and his neighbor. Right. <coughs> yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. And yeah. I just wanted to turn to my my points. Uh, you know, with like journalistic integrity, I think that this this movie is a demonstration of like someone way crossing that line 
and they're not even being a question of like the morality or the the the, the journalistic ethics, right? Of, of of like the narrative, but um, but I think that so so the whole the whole thing was was Hunter S. Thompson was looking for the American dream, so he's at Vegas, and where where it's supposed to be abundant, and he can't find it. Like he's looking at all these people. Like specifically, there's a scene where he's at a clown casino. He's looking at all these clowns, and he's like, "I can't see the American dream here." Right. But I'm gonna hold that that it's because it's it's him. He can't see it because he can't. He isn't. He isn't looking inward. Right. Because like being able to like like pay your way through any problem, which he does. Like in the movie, anytime he like he like park his car on the sidewalk and the valet is like you can't do that and he slips him like a hundred dollars right problem solved you know like his money basically can get him out of any situation he like he he just acts rampant and unhinged and finds success in what he's doing and nothing can stop his success not even him right and and so i think so i think the like the thing with the movie is like he found it Or, or 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 he could he could find it if he only looked at himself and Benicio del Toro, but he's just not being introspective enough to find it, which is weird because his whole bit is how introspective he is. Right. So well, he's introspective in in specific directions, but not other specific right. directions. He he doesn't understand the concept of other people even existing beyond himself. Right. He sees other people almost entirely as objects. Uh, which is so there's this Andy Warhol book that he wrote a long time ago um that was basically like the way he views people is like he's Andy so he's person A and everyone else he talks to is just person B right and so it, it, he's Andy and everyone else is person B uh and that's the way that Hunter S Thompson very much views other people society all these things and it's it's a combination of like fear and also genuinely thinking that just about everybody in society is trying to get him uh, yeah. or sucks. Uh, I mean, like they go to that cop convention and <laughs> it's just like everything in there is hell and right. horrible. Um, but also, you know, they of course they do that shit in Vegas for some fucking reason. <laughs> yeah. And the same kind of goes for like... There's, there's like that scene in the bar where he just can't even see people as people. Right. No, they're lizards to him and he needs to kill them. Right. And well, in like the adrenochrome thing, weirdly, I feel like the, the QAnon people watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and they were like, I think this is my conspiracy theory. Yeah. That there are lizard people and people have adrenochrome. <laughs> uh, two things that are from a movie. Yeah. Uh, I understand the movie is based in reality. Uh, but, but anyway... I, Hunter S. Thompson, like, sees a lot of lizard people, which is to say that he sees people as, like, inhuman monsters, generally. Right. Except for himself. Yeah, because he's Hunter S. Thompson. But I think that, that, like, the reason that that he has the American dream isn't because of, like, the drugs, but it's because he's rich enough and privileged enough to not to deal with anything, to not to worry about anything. and. And like he can, he can pay, like bribe, run away from, or bullshit his way through any problem that that can ever possibly come up. Right. And so he suffers no consequences, but yet he's terrified of the consequences. Right. Despite the fact that like that that that, that they will never come. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I I just um part of the movie kind of frustrated like like that aspect of the movie frustrated me. That um, there's no real like denouement. It's like there's no real punchline. Right. Well, well, well. Like kind of kind of being able to see to to like be like this is I don't know, and I I I don't know if this is the movie's like take or the book's take because you've read the book. So so in the book is. It, it, like like is there the same fixation with the american dream oh yeah and it's all about that and and and, and is it apparent in the book that 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 he 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 is living the american dream well is that kind of what the book's about he talks about how basically the american dream is a nightmare inherently right um just so, because like so i guess like he's acknowledged <laughs> that he's he's in the american dream and it sucks and he wants out yeah, and I that's mean, why he does. He's trying to escape it, right? And escape the responsibility of it, you yeah. know. Um, because like, but also, I don't think the the thing he doesn't realize, I think, is that his ability to just escape that situation is almost entirely based on the privilege of also being able to enter that situation, right? Yeah. So just because he's like, you know, a hippie that has a bunch of drugs and a bunch of money, you know, doesn't necessarily mean he isn't like, you know, some kind of rich asshole going to Vegas, doing a bunch of drugs, causing a bunch of problems, leaving a bunch of hurt people in his wake. Right. And then like getting the fuck out of there and never facing consequences and being celebrated for it. But also I think the thing about it is like, you know, a lot of people in society do shit like this but they don't talk about it. Right. It is the American possibility. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the 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 thing of the Epstein Island thing, right? Where yeah. it's like, you can go there, you can do this, that is possible. That is the American dream mm-hmm. for these motherfuckers. Right. And so, like, no one has ever gone and done that and written about themselves doing it and being like, yep, this is something I can do. Yeah. So this is like kind of a permissive story where it's just like, how much can I get away with in this country without facing criminal prosecution? Mm-hmm. Turns out a lot if you're white. Yeah. And rich. <clears throat> yeah. If you have a nice car, you're white, you know. If you're good if you're good at talking with the cops. You're you're a journalist or you claim to be like working in the city. Yeah, if you're good talk good at talking to people, mm-hmm. like you can pretty much get your way out of anything. Yeah. And I think that overall like that is his point. It's a se- it's a self-effacing point where he's like it's awful that in the United States this is like what it has become this right. like absolute depravity but mm-hmm. also like I am a representative of that depravity. Right. So like I am the only person who can translate that depravity to a normal person mm-hmm. and be like, this is the American possibility. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, so I, I, I feel I, and, and, and this, this, this question will be answered later, but I, I've been, sw- I've been on the fence and I've been swinging like back and forth between whether I like this movie and whether I don't. Um, sure. Be, but it was just because it like, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like the narrative of two dudes go and just are the worst people ever, and then go home. Like well, it's, it's like, really frustrating. And, 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 I feel you. And I, I get. I get that the point of the movie is talking about how 
how the privileged people in society can just do that. Right. It's a representation of that thing. But also, it sucks that it's that thing. Yeah. Well, and also, do you know... So, have you seen any Terry Gilliam? No. Other than... Stop doing that. No, uh, I won't. I'll make so much background noise. The you're going to have to people edit so quake. much of this podcast. Anyway. <clears throat> okay. I will edit none of it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Terry Gilliam. Have you, you haven't seen Brazil. I want to watch Brazil. You haven't seen... God, you haven't seen any Terry Gilliam. Yeah, so Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is directed by Terry Gilliam. Uh, and he's like one of the Monty Python people. Did you know that? I did not know. I well, no, I you know, I I I I knew that, but I didn't connect it. He's vastly transphobic now, which oh, is awesome. That's not uh, ideal. He's super turfy, yeah, and oh, he also no. thinks that uh, women need to shut the fuck up and get out of the way. Oh, he's no. he's got a lot of great terrible opinions, but but anyway, Terry Gilliam, uh, he also he's... failed to make Don Quixote like a million times. I told I you about fuck. that yeah. at one point. Um, but but yeah, no. Uh, Terry Gilliam is an interesting filmmaker. I don't know how to feel about him generally because he's like, he's a lot of people I know's favorite filmmaker, like 100%, without a doubt. Like, people will be like, oh no, Terry Gilliam, 100%. Stan, everything he's done, he's great. Uh huh. And um, <clears throat> I've always been 50 50 on him. Like, I'll see one of his movies and be like, that was not for me at all. Mm-hmm. And then I'll watch another one and I'll be like, that was pretty good question mark like brazil pretty good like it's abstract bizarre i get the point i think it's fairly good but also like yeah i don't know it's 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 a tonal thing for me mm-hmm. right it's totally miss 50 50 for me i feel the same is true for like baron munchausen and like all, all the other stuff um so i don't know i'm like always 50 50 on terry yeah <laughs> not really sure where i'm at with him so in I guess in my opinion, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is is a fairly middling movie in that it was polarizing. It's fairly middling reaction. Um, but there's undeniably a lot of things in the movie that I think are representative of things that no other film has ever attempted, mm-hmm. uh, even close. Yeah. But at the same time, it it has to just be about fucking scumbags in a non-fictional way. Right. Like, in a very... They had to actually literally do this shit for this to have manifested as true to them. Right. Well, and, uh, so so I guess... I guess my, the reason that I don't like the narrative and and, and the, 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 the thing I don't like about the movie is that it is like... You know, I don't, I don't like the justification... Of of well, I have to write about this. Like the like the working man, the working person needs to know about 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 how the rich execute the American dream. But I hate that that to do that. Um, Hunter S. Thompson chose to hurt so many people, and well, and, and enable people who hurt so many people. I agree completely and, with you, and but that's at like, the same time, like that's gonzo journalism baby i know but you gotta do the thing to like when he was with the hell's angels he like was with the hell's angels I, for years and he became their friends and they were nazis like yeah but he had to do that to get that close to them where he felt like he could do that you can't walk into people like that and start throwing hands on a on like political shit right it's the same with shit like this where it's like 
if you're gonna do it, you have to do it like a hundred percent. He he's he went all the way with it. Right. Well, I, however, but... like I feel here, if I'm gonna criticize the movie for anything, I will criticize that I think Terry Gilliam took a lot of his ideas and made them so unbelievably, unrealistically fantastical that at some point they detach themselves from reality completely and become a parody of Hunter S. Thompson and his ideas. Right. And insofar as I feel like I begin to struggle. I prefer Hunter S. Thompson as he writes. I don't think Johnny Depp is a good Hunter S. Thompson, in my opinion. I think Ooh. I think he's too much of a comical clown version. Right. <laughs> where he's just like a not he's like he's a fucking Jack Sparrow over it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like he, he has like three modes. He just does and and it's like Hunter Thompson is a very clear-minded person. It's it's funny when when like in the movie when you're watching Johnny Depp like pretend to be Hunter S. Thompson typing, he's like typing like one letter at a time, like really weird hunt peck kind of typing, but without any like speed or dexterity. And the voiceover is talking like as if he's typing that right then and there. Yeah. And what he's saying is just like a whole paragraph in the time that it takes him to finish a word. Right. And I'm just like bullshit. Like he this is a fucking joke like why are they making fun of him yeah this is, this is someone who like professionally wrote a lot for a yeah. long time i mean like i understand that he might have had an awkward odd writing style but he also wrote lots of words yeah <laughs> lots of them so he knew his way around a keyboard a well, little bit i don't know but I, I feel like people like like uh thoreau um what's his first name henry the- david thoreau the, the journalist, the... Oh, Louis Thoreau? Louis Thoreau, yeah. I feel like Louis Thoreau, like, still manages to, to get these narratives and, and, to, and to, like, tell truth about people who are really hard to get truth out of without, without like, doing the gonzo, like, I'm going to, like, do what they do to get the truth. Yeah. Well, so like, I, I guess I just prefer I, I prefer his method of of like infiltrating these like notoriously hard to hard to reach hard to film unhinged people. Yeah, in in a in a different context, like showing them for who they are. It's more right. it's more documentary journalistic. But you know, also remember there was a time before the availability, the widespread availability of documentary. That's fair. And there was a time before the widespread availability of like printed journalism, even and yeah. books and like movies, like even like so. <clears throat> at the time when all of this was going on, you know, this would have been the first fucking time somebody genuinely, honestly wrote about this shit, mm-hmm. and. As fucked up as it is, and, and as unacceptable it is, as it is, Hunter S. Thompson is also dead, and he's fine with that. He chose to do that, actually. Uh, and he has no qualms about that whatsoever. Football season was over. He was done and tired. Uh, and so, like, he has done finished taking responsibility for all the bullshit he did, but he did leave the world with genuine accidental documents of some of the worst shit that you could get away with in the United States, as well as like some of the worst shit that was and is still going on in the United States. Right. And like that level of journalistic honesty is still completely unseen. Yeah. You never see that shit ever from anyone. So, so may 
Me? On that note. Gold or shit? Oh, uh, I actually think this movie's shit. You do? Uh, I don't like to let my nuance go like that. I I feel like there's a lot of things about the movie that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was upon reading Hunter S. Thompson stuff. Because, like, understand, I watched this movie throughout high school. It was one of the movies that got me interested in, in what drugs were and how that worked and what the deal was with all that like so i can't imagine watching that movie and then wanting to do that i did it was crazy i was weird um but like it it just made sense to me i don't know but uh no like i watched the shit out of this movie a lot when i was growing up and then at some point i actually did drugs (laughs) and then the movie kind of changed for me where i was like "Mm, a little bit over the top here yeah and then i read hunter s thompson's actual writing and realized what he was doing with it versus what terry gilliam was doing with it and where hunter s thompson's honesties and nuances lied Mm -hmm. versus where terry gilliam put the lean leaning on the like the the thing um and i quickly realized that like if you're gonna pick one read the fucking hunter s Tom- read is journalism right read is journalism like it's journalism like it's so bizarre for there to be a fictional narrative film like almost satirizing i feel like a journalist right and i understand that like so i i feel like showing you this was me trying to show you something complicated you yeah. know how i am so I don't like this movie very much. If if it were up to me, I would throw it at like a solid five out uh-huh. of out of a possible ten. I'm not really a numbers person, but just for the extrapolation, like I feel like it's very middle of the road. There's some stuff I like, but generally I dislike and di- have a distaste for its attitude and ideas. Uh-huh. <laughs> where I feel like the, uh, the book very different. Uh, right. So. What I'm going to say there is that <clears throat> if you have if you have no uh, eyes or ears and have no ability to read, um, maybe consume this. I guess um, I don't know <laughs> if that'll help, but if I'm going to throw it in the shit pile and be and I'll take the brunt of that, I'm fine with that because like this podcast is apparently not about nuance, but genuinely, this is a movie that May doesn't really like all that much, and uh, read the book, please. Please read some Hunter S. Thompson. Like, even if you don't like him, uh, that's actually encouraged. Like, it's encouraged to have complicated, negative feelings about Hunter S. Thompson. I feel like the weird celebration of Hunter S. Thompson later in his life is what led to shit like this, where it's like kind of uncritically looking at him right. and uncritically celebrating like his writing and his ideas and like what he stood for man i feel like he was one one bad day away from being a right-wing gunman he is <laughs> you know? he he was one day away from a school shooting at any fucking moment right and that's why people read him yeah. I mean, he did acid and cocaine every single day. You know that that'll do some shit to your mind. Yeah. Um, It'll do some shit to your mind. Well, I don't think you should take the brunt of putting this movie in the shit pile. Because I also, I'm also going to put it in the shit pile. Wow. wow. We got a fucking unanimous, we didn't unanimous. like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I all the, the big thing this movie has accomplished is it, it has made me want to read Hunter S. Thompson's, Hunter S. Thompson's writing. writing. 
and see what his whole fucking deal was. Right. But, but like, yeah, I, I do think generally the celebration of him. Yeah. Very weird. He's he's a complicated. Well, because fighter. I don't know. I like I don't hate Johnny Depp, but I feel like every, every, any anything he gets his acting hands on, he fetishizes. It's like you were saying, you know, this it's like a it's worshiping him, and I don't think that he is someone to be worshipped. <laughs> like I don't think that you should worship human beings in general. But if you're gonna have to pick one. Why Hunter S. Thompson, you know? Yeah, well, and I I don't know. It's just literary figure lives for a long time, kind of has, like, controversial views, like, countercultural views for a really long time. And, and you know, is generally viewed as, like, a saintly countercultural figure. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like, a lot of people were not really looking into his work the way maybe he even wanted to. And I'm not necessarily saying that that contributed to his suicide, but I do think that in, in the near the end of his life, the way that people were celebrating him and surrounding him was not the way he wanted. Right. Like it was not his ideal thing. He was a guy who liked to run and gun very literally with guns <laughs> and acid well, and if, like be crazy. If, and like he was bored People wanted Hunter S. Thompson alive. They should have. They should have made football year round. Honestly, yeah, truthfully. <laughs> anyway, um, so you're saying it's shit. I'm saying it's shit. We're both saying probably read Hunter S. Thompson, even though you haven't read Hunter S. Thompson, but I have, and I can confirm that he's very good. Okay. Yeah. Um, good in a complicated way. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I love y'all. Uh, please don't um go too far you know make sure and stick in the front yard for a little while don't run out into in, into the street don't make sure and look both ways if you're crossing the street because yeah. i don't want to see y'all get hit by cars and make sure you're here by by uh dusk right well and, and real quick uh now that you made it this far should have done this at the start of the episode <laughs> yeah i'm doing it now uh we're gonna do some we're gonna we're gonna try to make some changes to the podcast we are uh, it's true four uh we're gonna possibly do a we're gonna we're gonna try to get to get a uh a twitch stream setup yeah we're, 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 we're gonna, gonna do that we're gonna push pretty hard it might not be the first episode of season four it's definitely gonna be we're definitely gonna start doing it it might be a once a month thing it might be twice a month we'll it, it just depends on, on 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 how the cookie crumbles but we're uh, also talking about a name change we're talking about a name change we're it's probably just gonna get shortened to excrement um, well yeah so let's hear let's hear people sound off of the, do you do y'all like your take is excrement as the podcast? I know that that kind of flows well. People kind of like it, but also excrement as a podcast. Just and it's just a you know, yeah, that's kind of cute, right? I, I uh, like it. I don't listen, know. if if y'all want to save your take is excrement, you're gonna have to push pretty hard in the comments. Um, yeah. So I, I anyway, um, uh, we're also I don't know. I, I've been putting. Uh, I'm not trying to insinuate that I that I don't put a lot of thought into the podcast because I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this podcast, but I've been putting more effort than, than, than I, than I have been at any other point for, for this next season. Um, I'm really excited for, for, for it. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to step up the effort. Yeah. Things uh, are going to get a little bit more serious around here. I think. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think podcast I think front. this is kind of the point where it's like, all right, time to time to like really lean into this because we're pretty much settled in the move now. Yeah, um, it's been a couple months. You know, I I published a video just moments ago. And, yeah, you know, so, so I I just want to say uh, like outside outside of outside of the bit of 
of we're we're goofballs podcasting. I'm really excited for for season four, and I am incredibly incredibly appreciative of of all y'all and and the support y'all give. Yeah, um, and I am just incredibly grateful. Uh, yeah, it's genuinely yeah, just amazing. Like y'all uh, y'all have given a lot of support in the last one million episodes. <laughs> I, I can't even believe we've done it this long. Um, and we've gone from like several different recording methods. We're now on a computer where we're doing stuff. People yeah. were complaining about the file sizes. We're working on that. We're working on that. There's a whole bunch of variables. Anyway, we, we can let you go now. The, the point is we're updating y'all before next season. We're going to make, we're going to step it up and make some changes. We should get some intro music. We should. That would be kind of neat, right? That'd be neat. Uh, we're also thinking about getting a, uh, getting someone to, to do an actual logo and not just, uh, like a photoshopped bit from holy mountain i'm thinking i might have vivian start editing for us Ooh, think of it yeah, yeah. that'd be nice because uh, nice. i <laughs> lord knows i'm tired after work but God, anyway me too but anyway uh, we're, okay. we're rambling as we do yeah uh we'll see y'all real soon uh yeah. with more shit real soon like next week i guess or are we gonna take a week off i don't know uh, i don't want to take a week off because we don't uh, want to charge momentum. monthly for for ads, and I don't want to. Like, oh, that's true. Have that's true. We got we got to do four. Anyway, okay. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you with a whole new vibe. All right. Bye. bye.